This is The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Morning, everybody. This is Patrick Donahoe. Welcome to The Wealth Standard Radio. This is episode 154, and we are going to talk about a famous word that has been created over the last, uh, what, six months, a year or so, called Brexit. It's everywhere, right? And uh, I have nobody better than Spencer Couch, who's in the hot seat today. Thanks for having he's, me, Pat. He's our uh, he's our brainiac and our researcher, and so I'm I'm excited to see uh, what he's come up with. But uh, we're gonna talk about Brexit, talk about what it is, uh, what's going on, and uh, more importantly, how it's going to affect uh, me, how it's going to affect you, and what to do about it. Okay, so uh, it is something that has been all over the headlines. We've seen some volatility. We've seen some craziness. There's been there's two kind of you know diametrically opposed opinions, and who knows what the heck is going to happen or what's going on. It's it's kind of interesting to to sit on the sidelines and to kind of see see what's going on. Uh, but Brexit. I mean, when did when did you first uh, Spencer? When did you hear, first hear about Brexit? It was probably back in. Uh first time I paid attention to it was probably February or March. Okay. Um, uh, I heard this weird word, didn't really know uh, what it meant, and started looking into it a little bit. Okay. And actually, you know, given my, my legal background, yep. I like things to be uh, as clear as possible. I doubt that there are really <laughs> any people out there who don't know what Brexit is at yep. this point. But it's it's simply, you know, we love our, you know, mashing up words, Brangelina and, Brangelina. and all that Brangelina. kind of stuff. That's essentially what it is. It's British exit from the European Union. So Brexit. Cool. Um, well, that's what we're going to talk about today. It's going to be interesting. And uh, we'll cover some things that are pragmatic. And uh, we'll uh, hopefully uh, get you a little bit more familiar with what's going on in the global economy and uh, perhaps some ideas. And uh an insight into what you can do about it. Uh, but for more information about Paradigm Life, if you are a first-time listener, go check out our website. It's paradigmlife.net. You can also go and look at all of our past episodes on iTunes. And uh, you just need to download iTunes, subscribe to the Wealth Standard Radio. It's absolutely free. And uh, if you like what you hear, we'd love for you to leave us a, leave us a comment, give us a, a five-star on there so we can get uh, get some more listeners and uh, in, into kind of what we're, uh, what we're talking about, what we're trying to accomplish as a, as a mission at, here at Paradigm Life and also with... Uh, our radio program. Uh, and also we have a blog that's on the website. We have uh, a number of articles. We've just recently re-released our website and have a new e-learning program on there called Infinite 101. So go check that out if you want to learn more about uh, our company. Everything I just mentioned is absolutely free. And uh, so go uh, go check that out when you have some time. All right, Spencer, let's uh, let's kind of get into it. Okay, so Brexit. So they're exiting. So what? Uh, let's kind of get down to the, just the basics. So what did, what did uh, Britain exit? So, so Britain was a, a member of, or I guess they still technically are a member of the European Union. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, full dues-paying members. Uh, the the only difference uh, between Britain and say Germany and France and so on is uh, they they've always been using the pound. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they are uh, they are full members of the European Union. Um, they are now voting, or they now voted to exit uh, that union mm-hmm. and become fully uh, fully independent again. Okay, so so the European Union. So what's the benefit of a country being in the European Union? 
Well, uh, unless you're like Greece. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the idea or behind yeah. Yeah, the, or, or uh, Portugal or <laughs> so on. Almost every country except for like Germany and Switzerland. Yeah. So, um, so the, the idea behind the European Union was simply to open borders to allow for uh, free trade uh, across the borders and 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 really. Um, movement of workers mm. so that uh, so that the union itself could work as efficiently as an economy as possible. Mm. Did that did that end up happening? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, uh, you know, far from it. I, you know, actually, I, I lived in Europe for for a couple of years right as the euro was about to be introduced. Mm, um, I was I was living in Germany um, when the when they started listing double prices. So they went from just listing it as a as the mark yeah. uh, to listing the mark and the equivalent of the, the euro. Of the euro. Um, I came back to the States before the euro was actually introduced, but, um, but everyone in Germany thought this was going to be the best thing that ever happened. And they were, the, the European uh, economy was going to blow the U.S. out of the water. Uh, the U.S. <laughs> yeah. was going to become yeah. second rate after this. Interesting. Uh, and, you know, it didn't quite work out the way that they... Well, you know, propaganda is propaganda. Yeah. You know, you're always, it's always kind of this, you know, over-embellishing of what's going to happen, how amazing things are. And, you know, we won't get into kind of that 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 angle sure. of things on, on the podcast today. Uh, but looking at the European Union, what are maybe some of its biggest uh, failures over the last few years that has caused Britain to say, uh, we want out? Uh, I, I would say probably the the biggest word that people have heard is austerity. Yep. Um, you know, you've, you, you, Greece was the prime example <laughs> of this. Uh, a complete disaster. Uh, trying to uh, raise taxes and and lower spending, uh, trying to you know you know cinch the belt as tight as possible and and uh, uh, save or tax your way out of out of a bad situation. And that, how did that work out? It didn't work out at all. <laughs> Greece, Greece was a, a disaster, mm -hmm. uh, and still potentially is a a bigger disaster down the road. For sure. So what? So what does that have to do with the European Union? Though? So why is why is Greece? And their demise, essentially, or inevitable demise, why why does that matter to the other participants in the European Union? Well, it's... Uh, or members or whatever, you know, whatever, sure. member countries. So it, it's Greece's debt and, and Greece's economy is... is being taken care of by the by the other members if if they default um you know they're it's it's like i'm trying to think of a of a good example i, I did a lot of a bankruptcy work uh, mm -hmm. in the past mm -hmm. um so let's say a a partner in a in a partnership uh, filed bankruptcy mm -hmm. um it's entirely possible that the creditors could go after the, the other, other partner? partner's assets got it um and you know that's something uh, similar to this greece mm -hmm. uh if they can't if they default the you know Germany and France and and uh, Britain prior to this yep. or even we'll now be on at the this point. We'll, we'll be on the hook for their debt exactly interesting okay all right so that's so that's one one of the one of the reasons um, what are maybe some of the other big things that is causes kind of this you know chaos in the in the European Union because they, they, they talk about you know you, you may understand this more I was in Austria a few months ago. Uh, and you know the immigration idea, where you know Merkel came out and wanted the, you know the you know each country to kind of take their share of uh, of uh, you know of refugees, of refugees, yeah. you know. And so there's been this huge kind of stir up in in a sense as far as that's concerned. So is that is that you think that's part of maybe some of the the things that have caused you know Britain to kind of 
rethink their role there? Yeah, I w- absolutely would say that. I mean, you know, I you know, having lived in Germany for a few years, uh, Germany is a is a country that has a very large Turk Turkish population. Um, in fact, I've I've heard I don't I can't confirm this, but um, just outside of Berlin, uh, supposedly is the second largest uh, Turkish uh, city in the in the world behind Ankara. Um, uh, so Germany is very open to that. Um, I think it may be in uh, you know, trying to make up for past mistakes. Um, so Angela Merkel was very open to let's bring in refugees, let's help everyone out. Um, but one of the issues that uh, that other countries were coming were were you know seeing from this was borders are open. Um, once they're once they're in a European Union uh, country, can go they can go anywhere they want. Yep. Um, there's no there's no border control. There's nothing. Interesting. Uh, so you know, and and same thing with Britain being a member there, they were getting a, a large influx of of refugees, and um, they've they've got a social we- welfare system set mm-hmm. up, and they've got to take care of these refugees. So it's going to obviously increase spending, which inevitably comes from taxes exactly okay so okay so there there's some reasons there's a lot of other reasons mm-hmm. too uh and you know there's uh the uh, the nigel nigel farad the farage yeah. the well actually he resigned didn't he resign a couple of days, I, days yeah, ago I think yeah, his mission was basically to take down to, to <laughs> get to, out was to and, get out and then right? he got out <laughs> and he got out yeah well actually i uh i'll we'll put uh uh brennan let's make a note to put uh his video on the show notes because uh, I think there's yeah the video of him at the European Union it was it was actually really interesting and he had people booing yeah him. he was being booed down and then you know someone had to get up and say hey you know <laughs> this is a, a place of respect let's let him let him have his anyway, that was, say. that was his you know that was his mission so he's been working on this for for years and years and years mm-hmm. and finally resigned because you know mission mission accomplished yeah okay so so they left and now you kind of have you know two dominating camps as to what's going to happen to Britain, mm-hmm. right, and and the world, right. So let's talk about the first camp, which is kind of the 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 pro European Union, the pro uh, globalism, the 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 pro bureaucracy, the pro kind of keeping everyone as a grand, you know, a grandiose type of state. What does you know? What are they? What are they saying about what's going to happen to Britain? Oh, not only Britain, we're going to have a complete worldwide financial meltdown because of this. Uh, Britain is causing uh, the next Great Depression, and it's going to be it's going to be the end of times. Is is you know the the extreme example. So, what are they using as what are they using as as basically the you know their data and their foundation for that for that perspective or opinion? Well, uh, it's a good question. Uh, it, it varies. Uh, I haven't. I haven't found Is there anything, anything compelling. No, I haven't found I haven't anything either. really <laughs> compelling. Uh, you know, if Paul Krugman. Uh, he he says it's going to be it's going to be bad. Maybe, I mean, as as dire as he can be in in a lot of his uh, sayings, he he's not quite to that extreme. He's. He's saying it's going to be bad, and yeah. he would have voted to to remain. But um, but and pretty he, much everything he says is but, opposite of what happens. Well, so. but he, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but even he, the the stats that he uses, he freely admits are stats that he calculated. So there's not really any great information out there that that says that it's uh, that actually proves that something. So it's like a two plus two equals five. Sure. You know, scenario. Exactly. <laughs> and if he calculated it, then Paul it's Krugman. Like that. It, it, you know, it's, it's it's true if Paul Krugman calculated cool. it, right? And we love there's a 
uh, Tom Tom Woods and Bob Murphy do yeah. a really awesome podcast called uh, Contra Krugman. Yeah. So you guys can go check out Bob and Tom go after Krugman. I think they've agreed with him like once over the last like two years. Yeah, it's it's a pretty entertaining podcast. You listen, oh, you listen I to do it? it. Oh, okay, yeah, sweet. Yeah. All right, so so that's all right. So now now you have kind of that that side of things. But I would let let's let's really look at I think in my my opinion right. And mm-hmm. I'm not. I need to kind of preface these statements with, you know, my familiarity is I, I don't study this hours upon end, right? I, I kind of understand the underlying issues and economics, but as far as like, the, I'm not 100% versed here. So this is sure. this is kind of an opinion. But if you look at like Britain exiting, what is what is the EU's greatest fear now, right? Because people operate off of really two things, right? They operate off of fear, fear of mm-hmm. loss, right? Or they operate operate off of um, you know, greed or gain, right? So here they're not gonna you know, not, they didn't gain much. They just lost, yeah. right? So now what's their greatest fear? What's the greatest fear of the well, European Union? It it's it's exactly that, fear of loss. That this is just gonna start a landslide. All all kinds of others are gonna start wanting out. Exactly. So if that's their sentiment, which I agree, right? Mm-hmm. If that's their sentiment, then what are they gonna say to everybody, right, in order to retain as much of their membership as possible well you know, we're we're stronger together um we're you know we can as a collective we can we can uh you know ride through the ups and downs of mm-hmm. of everything uh, much more smoothly mm-hmm. or good okay. yeah and that's that's i mean or you know the the world is coming to an end right because of this yeah so if you leave, your world's going to come to to an end. So I, yeah, I, I look at you know why they're saying what they're saying, and they're just trying. They're scraping the bottom of the barrel mm-hmm. just to kind of keep it all keep it all together, right? Well, and you know along along those lines, Angela Merkel has you know so there there are two camps within the European Union now saying you know one of them is let's have an amicable amicable agreement, and the other is saying no, let's have this be a bitter you know you know. Divorce essentially. Um, Angela Merkel is saying, "Let's let's make it amicable." There, Britain is the fifth largest economy in the in the world. It'd be um, suicide for them not to like <laughs> renegotiate their agreements. Exactly. Um, but but the the people who want this bitter divorce are saying, you know, you know, we need to make we need to punish Britain because uh, otherwise everyone's going to follow suit. Yep. So they basically, you know, they they brought their sand they brought their uh, their sand pail out of mm-hmm. the sandbox, and now they're all upset and the kid. In the in the kindergarten playground, exactly. All right, so you have that side of things. So that's that's kind of the you know the one the one perspective of how dire things are going to be because of all this, which you know the the it's not really substantiated with 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 any type of logic. All right, so now let's look at the the other side of things. Right, why could this be a good thing? Well, uh, or what's that? Pers- what's that perspective that people are saying? Okay, they're exiting. What, what's good about it? Maybe philosophically, economically. So the, the you know, philosophically first, uh, there's the the groups out there that that believe smaller government is a better thing. Mm-hmm. Having less regulation, less government involvement is going to lead to to greater prosperity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know, as big as Britain's government is, it's not the EU's government added on top of that. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's simply. Uh, Pulling out and and having a smaller government, um, you know, economically, I mean, it makes sense. It, typically, we we do find other there are exceptions to this, but we find that smaller uh, smaller economies tend to do better. And even the even though the United States is a large economy as a whole, we're made up of fifty small economies, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so the the entire U.S. economy is is uh, made up of you know each of the individual states. Sure. Um, 
So you know, from from that perspective, uh, where uh, where with the EU, you've got the the national uh, the national regulations and so on, and then we've got the EU regulations. Uh, in the U.S., yeah, we do have some federal regulations, but uh, but by and large, it's a state by state regulation mm-hmm. uh, thing. So the idea there is a, a smaller economy is going to be more efficient and allow for for greater economic growth. And then on top of that, you don't have the the dead weight of some of the other EU countries like Greece and and Spain and Portugal and, and they're going to drag they're going to exactly. drag you down, make you more inefficient. Exactly. Okay, so great great points. So you look at you know, and I, I would add to that, you know, there, there's a natural sense of sovereignty, right? Mm-hmm. That everybody has, and you look at you know many cultures, many many countries, many you know just philosophical uh, perspective when it comes to to life, and there's you know and sometimes they conflict, especially when you add in so many different cultures, so much history, it's uh, tons of history, and you know you look at you look at Britain, and I I think from a from a positive standpoint, they basically you know despite everybody, even the prime minister, you know everybody saying this is not a good thing, we should stay. Despite that, right, and despite the, the the threats to their markets, their economy, trade, right, despite all of that, they were they they still voted. Now, it wasn't this like landslide, right? It wasn't. It was pretty split. It, it, but but it wasn't as close as a lot of people thought it was going to be. I mean, yeah. it, it was a what about four four percent margin there? Yeah, and um, they thought it was the other way around. Yeah, right. Because if you and that's the other thing too. The reason why the markets crashed is because you know the markets, even like the I heard like the betting tables. Right. Even the betting tables, like the odds were for, you know, a, a yes. Staying. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at the the Dow Jones uh, leading up to the vote, it, it was it was going up. It was spiking. Yeah. It, um, it was priced to it was priced for a yes. Yeah, exactly. And then it dropped right after. Yep. So. Because they weren't expecting. <laughs> <they were expected. laughs> yep. So it's, it, I think that's great from, you know, really from a, you know, more of a libertarian, independent, you know, philosophy that we have. It's. It's good to really have you have more you have more control, mm-hmm. right? The small the smaller you are, and really looking at you know government in general, and that's where you kind of had you know I can't remember which amendment it was, but it's you know the idea it's the, more the federalism idea, right? Which we had kind of mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning in the United States, which is you have the federal government, right? But essentially you know the states were the ones that would have the majority of power, right? And the reason why is because you can hold officials accountable when they're in your backyard when it's federal and they're across the country right you don't have that same dynamic exactly right so i think here you know you know and 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 britain you know britain's not huge no right so it's easier really to where the people will have a say into the direction of their country if it's more local as opposed to this great you know large massive union okay and then from an economic standpoint right you look at britain is a big it's a big it's a big economy yeah right and they do some cool cool things and and so the biggest thing that they were giving up was the potential to not have trade deals right because within the european union they had all these you know trade trade deals and i'm not sure the degree and what you know really what uh irked them uh as far as you know what those deals were maybe britain wasn't happy with them which it sounded like they weren't right but now they are free to create their own trade deals in a sense exactly right and so you look at you know countries that currently have to go through and maybe you can answer this for me so this is something i'm not clear on so if i want to go so let's say i'm a country and i want to go do a deal with with uh, with britain 
I have to go through the European Union in order for that to happen, correct? It, now I don't, but, it, but but previously, my understanding was uh, you you didn't uh, if you wanted to do a deal with Britain, you just went to the European Union and negotiated, and it was the same across the board. Yep. So uh, you can't you can't necessarily target just Britain. You have to target everyone. Everyone, you got to keep everyone happy in your deal. Interesting. Now you you can kind of specialize a little bit more, and I, I mean that's my understanding of it. It's not something like you. I haven't studied all of the intricacies of it, but that yeah. that's the way I've understood it. And uh, so if you look at you know, if you look at that incredible amount of red tape bureaucracy, exactly. And now it's it comes down to. You know the lot. You know who, whoever can write the biggest check is the one that gets the deals. Exactly. Right. Yep. So that's that's interesting. So now you look at you know Britain, and from an economics perspective, you know the the more freedom that's created, right, then the more prosperity there is because you have the ability of people to exchange. Exactly. Right now, if you yep. increase the capacity to exchange, now you're going to have this you know overwhelming you know propensity to produce, and so. And, and I'm not sure if there's any countries that have come to the table already, um, but I'd be surprised if there weren't. Right? They already has a, have approached Britain and said, "Hey, let's you know once it's finalized, let's do a deal here, let's do a deal there." And and I'll, so talk to me about this too. The other, the, there's a, probably a lot of countries within the European Union that are kind of relying on Britain for, you know, for their economies as far as trade is concerned. Well, I I think that's where why Angela Merkel is saying, hey, let's let's, <laughs> let's do something. Let's do something amicably because uh, because she knows that Germany's uh, Germany's economy is dependent on a lot of what happens in in Britain, mm. and Germany is kind of the the tentpole, if you will, of the European Union right yeah. now. They're the they're the strong economy, and if if they take a big dip, it could have uh, further ramifications all throughout the union. And I, the car auto industry exactly is what would it would, would really suffer. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, we won't get a, a ton into a lot a lot of that, but uh, it's an interesting topic. I mean, who knows which way it's going to go? But in the end, I always I always love disruption. Sure. I always love like the you know when people kind of toe the line with the status quo and and do something on. So I'm I'm excited to see what comes of Brexit or mm-hmm. whatever whatever happens. But uh, hopefully, it really is a sign to those that really think that this collective body can dictate and manage people's lives and countries, uh, you know, future states of, of prosperity. I don't think that's I don't think that's realistic and it's never really worked yeah and you know it, you may have an end that you accomplish but there are so many of the means right are just obliterated in, in the process well i mean leading up to this vote you know or several years ago i mean you know there were hundreds of articles out there as i was uh, doing a little research uh, in preparation today or for today um there are hundreds of articles about, out there of people who have since written articles saying that this was a horrible move um, that's talking about how the European Union is a failed experiment. Um, yeah, and but now, now we you shouldn't have left it, even though it was it was uh, a waste of time. It was a failure. Uh, you, but it, it you should have stayed there. Is what they're saying. <laughs> so I, I don't. Yeah, I, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Oh man. Okay. So let's talk. Let's talk about what you know what the future holds. Right. So if you look at, you know, the world essentially is a global economy, right? That, you know, the the Dow, the Dow, it's a U.S.-based stock market. And, and you know, you look at what happens across the Atlantic Ocean, you know, 300 years ago, didn't that really didn't matter much. Okay? It didn't have much of an impact But at all. today it had a massive, you know, yep. in our day and age, it had a massive, it had a massive impact. Okay. So what have the markets done since? 
And, you know, what are some of the, you know, overarching philosophies or perspectives when it comes to what the markets are going to do? And I'm sure that there are a couple of perspectives. Sure. So uh, just throw out a few numbers and we'll try and keep these as, as minimal as possible. Uh, the day of the vote. Um, so the vote happened in the in the evening. Um, uh, so the day of the vote, the Dow Jones uh, Industrial Average uh, or Industrial uh, Index um uh, topped out at 18,011. Um, four days later, it, it bottomed out. So this was June 27th. It bottomed out at 17,140. Um, not quite a thousand point drop, um, uh, about, about 900 point drop. Um, however, four days after that, so July 1st, it had rebounded to 17,949. Almost back to where it was. Less than a hundred points below where it yep. was before. Um, you know, if we if we look at that as a big drop in the, in the market and and there there were big drops these were these are closing numbers and you know there were re, there were rebounds during the day and things like that um, but just two years ago we were uh, we were two thousand points below where we are now almost almost two thousand points below where we are now mm. we've been growing significantly uh, in that period of time um, over the, since uh, February of two thousand nine. The Dow has increased from 7,062 to uh, 18,000, where it is now. 152% uh, increase. Um, last time we saw that, and this was something I found interesting, last time we saw 152% increase over a, uh, an extended period of time, June 1995 to December 1999. <laughs> and then we had the dot-com the bust. Um, so... There are a lot of indicators out there that, yeah, we're going to have a big drop. Um, but is it really Brexit's fault? No. It's the underlying <laughs> economics of the whole thing. It has nothing exactly. to do with Brexit. Exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's banks giving out uh, loans for, for basically nothing. It's mm -hmm. the central bank, European Central Bank, yep. the Fed here. Uh, it's their, their economic principles that they've been, that they've been espousing yep. are, are causing these problems. Yep. Uh, now, Brexit may be the trigger but it was going to happen one way or yeah. another. And it's the whole aggregate demand approach, exactly. right? Which is they want to basically force demand, right? Because if people demand stuff, they're going to buy stuff, mm -hmm. right? So, and when people have more money, they're going to demand stuff, right? So if you have more money flowing in the economy, now that's hopefully going to be exchanged for goods and services. And I guess one thing is today, uh, well, yesterday is when uh, the Bank of England one of, the first, one of the first things, and I don't know the I don't I don't know the answer to this question, but uh, the action and then the question, the action was they they dropped they dropped uh, reserve requirements, mm -hmm. right? So banks now can lend more than they previously. The, the Bank of England, you know, did it so that basically you know Britain banks could could lend more than uh, than they can right now. So looking at uh, looking at that, so my question is, with the European Union, European Central Bank. Did the Bank of England have to get permission to for monetary policy from from the, the ECB? Do you know that? You know, I don't know for sure. I did uh, find an article. Um, I believe it was on the Mises Institute um, or from the Mises Institute uh, that talked about uh, the the various banks. So there was the European European Central Bank and the uh, and the uh, uh, English or. British Central Bank, I don't know, Bank of England. That's Bank of England, yeah. Um, so uh, I, I don't know that they needed permission, but okay. I, I, they did have a, an interesting stat. Um, uh, from January 2008 uh, to October of 2008, um, 
the Bank of England's balance sheet jumped from 22.2% to 163.8%. And the European Central Bank uh, was similar. It was from 15.3% to 55%, not not quite as big a jump. But so basically the point is they've been trying these quantitative easing things uh, for for years now. These were 2008 stats, um, and they haven't worked. They haven't done anything. Um, So why not try the same thing that you've been doing unsuccessfully for years? <laughs> well, then they had the U.S. to try to do, we try to do the same thing. Exactly. So, so yesterday they they dropped basically the the you know, interest rates to zero, mm-hmm. right? Thinking that's gonna thinking that's gonna help. So it's it's just you know, and I think the reason why they did, I understand why they did it, right? I don't think they did it for this long term economic impact, right? They did it basically to uh, to buffer any type of sell off. Yeah, right? and and to to calm the panic. Exactly. So. All right, yeah. So it's it's just interesting to see how this all works. And I think we're going to get to our, our point in in just a second as far as how this uh, how this impacts or how it affects you. Uh, first, you have a very bloated stock market, right? Yeah. And you have asset bubbles because there's a lot of more money in circulation, and it's not because people have been more productive, right? It's because there have been just you know artificial money has been created out of thin air, right? Same thing has just happened in in Britain, mm-hmm. right? Where money that didn't exist now exists, and now you have more money chasing the same amount of good and goods and services. So if you look at just this you know artificial manipulation of of currency and you know how they're working monetary policy. It's never it's never worked, right? And it's always caused boom and bust cycles. Now, there's been a good ride for the last sure. several several years. Okay, I don't know what's what's to come in in the future, right? Um, it could go on, right? Look at the Japanese economy, right? It could go on for who knows for another five years, ten years. I I have no idea, right? But the end result has always been the same, which is typically when you have things that are priced way more than they're worth. Right, that's when you have a correction. Exactly. Right, and that correction really is what's going to impact the entire world, right? Because right now there's more money in circulation than there's ever been yeah. in the history of, of humankind. Now you have a lot of innovation, you have a lot of production, things are being created, right? But it's not keeping up with the amount of money that's out there in circulation, the amount of spending that's going on to create this aggregate, dem- uh, aggregate demand, as well as you know the two to three percent inflation. People, you know, the, these these uh, economists are adamant about having every every Gotta single year. It, yeah. So it's interesting to see how this is how this is going to play out, right? So you just cited you know some statistics in regards to 2008 and the big jump that the markets had between you know 95 and 99 which had to do with you know these p- people p- dumping in tons of money into companies that had no earnings companies that had no assets but it was kind of this cool thing to do yeah, it was a new it a, was a new, a new technology new something exactly and then once people realized that you know wow the emperor has no clothes sell, sell off it's gone right so now i think you you're facing an environment where you know the entire world basically has zero percent interest rates yeah. and you have so much money that's circulating out there who's no who knows what the next next uh, next move is going to be but clearly these policies haven't worked right so i know we're kind of deviating into this you know the the, the ec- uh, economic side of things but basically our point is we're at this point where things are going things are going to get crazy things are crazy it's one of the most disruptive times in human history right because you have so much money out there right but you have so much innovation as well and innovation isn't inflationary Right. Yeah. Innovation is deflationary. Right. So you have basically all these pressures. Okay. You have pressures of tons of money. 
chasing finite amount of goods and services, but then you also have people that are striving to get things for cheaper, faster, um, and more efficient, right? Yeah. So what what's inevitably going to happen? And I think you know our conclusion is we don't know. We don't know. It's and and you know it, uh, one of the a, a quote that I did find. Um, uh, from uh, so Jeffrey Garrett, uh, dean of the Wharton School, who was very opposed to the the whole Brexit thing, um, he wrote an article that said, "After just one week, we are now uh, painfully aware how little the vote actually settled." And basically, he comes down to the fact that the only certainty about Brexit, the Brexit vote, is the uncertainty it has created. But the point is, there's always uncertainty. It doesn't. There there can be some something that happens halfway across the world and you didn't see that coming and it causes complete disruption yeah. worldwide and uh, you know you, you never know what's going to happen well, we're we're, all, we're just we're chasing a mirage exactly i mean society is chasing a mirage and and it's and it's not and it's not there right and i think that you know when you really look at markets and you look at human beings right we're purely emotional Right. We don't make decisions by calculating. Right. We make decisions collectively as, you know, an, an, on emotion, whether it's fear or greed, uh, fear of loss, fear of failure, uh, greed to have more uh, risk. It, it, it you, know, you look at that and it's you're not just do away with that. No, I mean, it's, it's human nature. You're, you're never going to be able to get away from that. The idea is simply try to control it as much as you can. Yeah. So now you look at and that's and they've done a decent job at that. Right. But how long can the game go on mm -hmm. so if you look at really look at some of the scenarios that'll that'll play out right number one i think if you really look at the asset ownership and the private asset ownership of the you know all the private assets in the world right the majority is held by uh you know one specific demographic and it's not just u.s based but it's worldwide just because of world war ii was the entire world mm -hmm. right so if you look at really those that are you know between uh 70 years old and uh uh and 55 Right, ish. Yeah, because nineteen forties baby boomer generation is forty six to sixty four. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. So if you look at you look at that kind of range of time and people that own a lot of assets, okay, that are kind of create that are the creation of markets and indexes and so forth. Okay, what is their mentality right now? Okay, what is the mentality of somebody that's in that age demographic? Right, their mentality is I don't have very I don't have a lot of years left. Number one, that's that's first thing they're probably telling themselves. Second thing is, things are innovating, computers and handhelds, and I can't even keep up with this stuff. Yeah, right. That's the second thing that's going through mind. And the third thing is, I, I think they're just making okay. I just need to hang on as long as as long as possible, right? And then I'm out. Exactly. Okay. And but their out clause is what? What are they? What is their out? Their out, out is you know their social security, sell. right, or their assets. Yep. Right. So if suddenly that's put in jeopardy, what's going to happen? <laughs> Chaos. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it, and, you know, we're we're dealing with this. What's the stat? Ten thousand people every day. Every day. It's are, been that way for a couple of years now. Yeah. And well, now now they're starting to turn 70 and a half. Yep. Um, and here in the U.S., that means uh, they've got to take distributions from their from their qualified plans, which means they're forced to sell. They have to sell yep. a certain per, a certain percentage each year. Yep. Um, uh, they don't get a choice in that matter. Yep. Um, so there's going to be more more available product on the market, which is going to drive prices down. Yep. So anyway, what we're trying to say is, you know, really, as you look at what's going, what is happening, what is going to happen, uh, I think the scenario presents itself of, 
you know, really when it comes to wealth, right, wealth, in our opinion, should be held in certain formats, okay? But the true nature of wealth is the individual, right? And the individual being able to produce. We are basically a money machine. We go out, we provide value, and we get a check for it. Money comes out of the machine, right? And looking at, you know, really our focus is if you can figure out a way to educate yourself, figure out a way to have your assets where they're liquid, you can access them, and you can take advantage of opportunity, it's some of the, the, those few principles are really, I would say, the only backstop people have in order to preserve what is coming down, inevitably coming down the line. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I absolutely would agree with it. Cool. We need to get somebody that like disagrees so we can argue the point. Get a, get a counter. I, I, I can play devil's advocate if you want. Let's do it. Let's play devil's advocate for a few minutes. But I would say, you know, because obviously, you know, we're we're here to. I want to. I want to know that. I mean, I don't. With me and how I look at life, I don't really care what perspective it comes from. I just want. I just want to know what's what the truth is. I want to know, you know, what what's realistic, what's not, and have all the details so I can make the most informed decision uh, possible. Yeah. Right. So looking at what's going to happen, I'm I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anybody knows that wh- what's going to happen. And somebody that says they do know what's going to happen and it happens, I think it's, it's 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 there's a lot of luck associated with that because there's so many different angles and so many different directions things can go. Well, if you it, not not to, you know, constantly be uh, promoting a, another podcast, but if you go back to uh, Contra Krugman, um, you know, they'll talk about how he Krugman hedges his bets constantly where he'll he'll predict something's going to happen <laughs> and then when that doesn't happen, you'll you'll find that he had some some language in his prediction that said you know, the, you know. Well, it it could turn out to be this way if uh, if certain things fall into line. So he can he can kind of kind of hedge his bets for sure. Um, and you know, and, and that's that's what everyone does. No one knows what's going to happen. And you know, and again, promoting another podcast, I guess. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki. Yep. He talks about um, three sides to every to every coin. point or yep. three sides to every coin. Yeah. Yep. So the the heads, tails, and then the and then the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you got to stand on the edge so that you can see the whole picture yep. uh, it doesn't mean you know if you're if you're an Austrian economist that you don't you don't take anything from uh, from the other schools yep. um, it's it's simply that you you look at all of the information that's out there and try to make the best decision you can given the information that's available to you cool well kind of in in kind of conclusion for for the podcast this week I, again kind of reiterating some of these points I mean brexit is all over the news headlines I mean you google it and it's everywhere thousands probably millions of articles tons of commentary on it okay this it's just one of the disruptive things that are going to to happen yeah. right and in the end disruption and kind of the organized chaos is uh is is Schumpeter's, you know he he talked about it long ago disruption is always good mm-hmm. right because it shakes things up it gets out of the status quo and it promotes and initiates uh, uh, innovation, okay. right? And that's always that's always that's always good. So I would say, with everything that's going on, there's really nobody knows what the conclusion is is going to be. Um, you know, hats off. <laughs> it's like hats off to Britain for exiting, but hat back on <laughs> for, for for their monetary policy, exactly. which is like uh, okay. <laughs> but I would but I would say, you know, in the end. 
you know, they they're doing what they they think is best and, you know, good for them. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And, you know, I just I, I, I love the time that we live in because there's so much going on. It's beautiful to have all the communication. So we yeah. know what's happening in real time. We know exactly. I mean, the vote happened, you know, first thing. You know, in the in the morning, we knew exactly what was gonna. You know, we knew. You know, the, instantly we knew what happened. Uh, and then you had you know news feeds as far as David Cameron resigning. You had you had all ev- everything that went down. We were fully aware of, and that's yeah. brilliant. And we've taken weeks before, it, it, weeks, months, years, yeah. if if ever, if ever, yeah. right. And now it's amazing just to have so many different ways to communicate with one another, uh, and that I think is really going to perpetuate really the correction of all of these kind of. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to explain the decisions, but a lot of the political rhetoric and where they're trying to push initiatives and agendas, right? We're able to know if they're going to work or not. And you have a lot of different opinions that are out there. So our advice to you is, you know, stay informed, uh, learn both sides, sit on the edge of the coin. And <clears throat> when opportunity presents itself, you will be there to take advantage of it. Yep. Cool. All right, Spencer. Well, any final, any final words? Would you have called it something different than Brexit? Uh, probably, but who came, up, who came up with that? I don't know. The like same people that came up with that. Brangelina. So I don't know. <laughs> National Enquirer. <Yes. laughs> All right. Let me see if I have anything else before we, uh, we conclude for today. All right. Yeah. So we'll put, uh, Nigel Farage's speech on there. I think you guys will get a kick out of that. I love it. I mean, he, he was, he was a man on a yeah. mission, whether you agree with him or not. You know, mission accomplished, and, and hats off to hats off to him. He felt like he he felt like he was right. He felt like he he knew what he was talking about, and and he went for it. Yep. Um, but but not in an uninformed way. I don't think. No, not not at all. Because he was a businessman, and I think he got in for the right reason. Did what he wanted to do, and you know, kudos kudos to him. All right, so that's uh, that's it for this week. If you uh, want to listen to some past uh, podcasts, go visit again our our website, thewellstandard.com, uh, paradigmlife.net or check us out on iTunes, and then we'll have uh, show notes up for you uh, in the next, uh, next couple of days. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard in everything financial.